This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Well, plenty happening in the Holy Land right now. Anthony Reich joining us on the line, our correspondent from Israel. Anthony, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Okay, Tov, Chodesh Tov. Of course, it is a new Hebrew month, the month of Menachem Av, the month Hebrew month of Av. Uh, starts today and of course that also begins the nine day period of mourning that uh, culminates next week on Thursday in the fast day of Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av which is the day in the Hebrew calendar on which both the first and the second temples were destroyed. It is a full 25-hour fast day. That will be next Thursday. Uh, and in the meantime, today we celebrate the first day of, of the start of the month and, of course, the start of the period of mourning of the nine days. It also coincides with the first of Muharram, which is the Muslim New Year, the first month in the Muslim calendar, Muharram. Today, the Muslims begin the year 1445. Happy New Year to our Muslim listeners, the Hijri uh, New Year. So quite an eventful time, both in the Muslim and in the Jewish calendar. Indeed. Thank you very much for that uh, update and just reminding everybody of these celebrations taking place at the moment. Uh, Anthony, let's now move on to uh, what's happening on the ground, political-wise, etc., etc. I say that because, wow, we've got quite a few things to unpack today. Let's start with President uh, Isaac Herzog uh, meeting, uh, met, meeting yesterday with U.S. President Joe Biden at the White House. How did that go from your perspective? Well, the meeting that took place uh, was apparently a 40-minute private meeting between the two presidents. Mm -hmm. Thereafter, other members of the U.S. administration, and I'm guessing also the presidential entourage from Israel, joined the meeting, including U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, to talk about some political issues. But it felt very much like a love-in. It felt very much like President Herzog uh, felt quite at home there. Um, he mentioned the fact that he felt like he has, was visiting members of the family as if though he felt right at home at the White House, although I'm not quite sure exactly um, how much he can feel at home there. I, don't, he's, I think had the opportunity to visit on one previous occasion. Uh, but nonetheless, of course, it's not about the location, but more about the reception that he received um, that was extended to him by U.S. President Joe Biden, which was clearly a very, very warm welcome. Um, it's interesting that President Biden seems to be playing sort of two sides of the Israeli political situation right now. He's using President Isaac Herzog to further Israel's special relations or the U.S.'s special relations with Israel. And there is good reason for that because um, the relationship between the U.S. and Israel is one which is important politically and strategically from both 
perspective, from both the U.S. perspective as well as the Israeli perspective. And we can see President Joe Biden really laying it on for President Herzog, really welcoming him very warmly, really expressing his uh, appreciation to Israel and really trying to further the relationship, really develop the relationship between the two nations. When it comes to Prime Minister Netanyahu, however, President Biden's attitude is entirely different, even though we did discuss yesterday that he has now extended an invitation to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu Mm -hmm. uh, in the upcoming months, probably around the United Nations General Assembly meeting in September. Um, But there is a clearly different attitude that President Biden extends to Netanyahu. And, of course, the latest headlines say that President Biden has told Netanyahu that Israel must stop the judicial reform. Uh, I'm guessing the listeners will have a view as to whether they feel that President Biden and the U.S. administration in general has any right to even intervene in what's going on in the internal politics of Israel right now. But whether we agree with it or not, The fact is that President Biden certainly feels that he has the opportunity, the right, the obligation, perhaps even to explain to Netanyahu that these judicial reforms should be stopped. Interestingly, there was also a little snippet that came out uh, later on from that conversation between Netanyahu and Biden, where we understand that Netanyahu has actually undertaken not to make any further changes to uh, the, to uh, building within the settlements during this year. Apparently, that was an undertaking that Netanyahu took upon himself in the conversation with Biden. But just one other sort of related point, which I think is really important in the whole sort of development and the relationship between uh, the U.S. and Israel, is that yesterday the U.S. Uh, Congress, passed, the House of Representatives, I'm sorry, approved a resolution that essentially expressed support for Israel and denounced anti-Semitism, but most perhaps most importantly went on to say that Israel is neither racist nor apartheid state. That was a resolution that was presented to the U.S. House of Representatives. It was passed with a huge majority, 412 to 9, those 9 uh, Democrats, we know some of them, people who are very much outspoken against Israel, including Rashida Tlaib and including Ilhan Omar and a few others, Delia Ramirez and some others who we, we know are very much outspoken against Israel, accusing Israel of being an apartheid state. And this really came, was really prompted by comments that were made from the Democratic representative, uh, Pramila Jayapal, who sparked some controversy um, and exposed some divisions among the Democrats um, about uh, the uh, situation with Israel and accused Israel of being an apartheid racist state. The House of Representatives yesterday said that's not the case. Um, So at least we understand that the majority of the U.S. representatives don't concur with that view. And most notably, the fact that most of the Democratic Party, that most of the representatives from the Democratic Party, supported that on a sort of a bipartisan basis. So um, quite an important point. Today, um, President Isaac Herzog will address a joint session of uh, Congress in the U.S. That will be broadcast live on TV later this afternoon on Israeli TV at least. And, of course, we will be looking out to see what his comments will be when he addresses the U.S. uh, Congress on the occasion of 
75 years of relations between Israel and the United States. Anthony, very quickly, um, you alluded to something earlier on about um, concerns about uh, President Herzog interfering in the internal affairs of uh, Israel. Is there a growing rift between the, pres- the office of the presidency and the prime minister's office? Um, I don't know if it's a growing rift or whether it's a rift that has already grown Mm -hmm. and now there's some sort of an attempt to perhaps try and smooth over the edges. There is clearly some tension between President Biden. You mentioned Herzog, but I'm sure you meant President Biden. President President Biden, Biden sorry. And and Prime Minister Netanyahu. There's clearly tension between the two. um, And we know that Prime Minister Netanyahu in his previous um, time during uh, which he served as prime minister, also had some frictions with previous U.S. presidents, most notably President Obama. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of, written and said about the relationship that existed or didn't exist between the two of them. Um, certainly P- Prime Minister Netanyahu, who is a controversial character, and he's not universally liked across um, the uh, the uh, international diplomatic arena. And in particular at the moment, President Biden doesn't necessarily feel love towards Prime Minister Netanyahu, but I think that he has little choice mm. but to somehow find a way to smooth over these edges because the strategic relationship between the two countries really overrides the personal relationship and is much more important than what goes down between the personalities. Well, indeed, one of the factors, there was a significant disruption to usual activities yesterday during the day of protest against the ju- judicial reforms. How did yesterday's events now transpire? Well, there was a lot of disruption. There were huge protests across Israel. And again, you know, for those people who feel that um, I, I speak a lot about protests, that it's true that I do so. And I think we can't avoid it because um, it's really a major issue on our agenda right now. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, it was certainly evident, a protest from the morning until late at night. I was watching some of the TV footage last night into the middle of the night where um, Kaplan Street, which is that main artery that uh, flows between the Ayalon Highway, right past the Azrieli buildings, past major government offices, and through past the Sarona commercial area, shopping area, and also is the road in which military headquarters is situated. So a very, very strategic, important arterial road in Tel Aviv had been closed all day yesterday due to protesters being there and into the night. And then I saw at about 11 o'clock last night, police trying to move the protesters away from the highway and forcing them effectively up the road in order to reopen uh, uh, Kaplan Street, uh, also using water cannons uh, mm. and very, very large numbers of police in order to try to clear the protesters. At some point, um, the police had declared the protest to be illegal and therefore gave them the right to clear the protesters off the street. But let's uh, be quite clear that the protests were huge and widespread and significantly attended in large numbers by um, Israelis across the country yesterday. Some people have taken it upon, upon themselves to walk from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem as part of their protest against the judicial reform. Where all of this leaves us today is really unclear. Mm. It seems that the government is quite determined to move forward with this judicial reform in spite of these huge protests. But one of the things that's really pleasing to see throughout these months and months and months of protests that we've seen in Israel is that the protest movement has taken upon itself to protest calmly and without violence. 
a sort of um, a, a Mahatma Gandhi style uh, protest movement rather than being violent. There's been no evidence of looting and no burning and no property damage and, and, and as much as possible uh, avoiding uh, hurting people even though there have been people injured. One lady was run over by a car yesterday when she got out to protest on the highway and so people have been hurt and there has been some accusations of certain police violence as police have tried to clear protesters away in order to clear roads off. So um, there have been some kind of a little bit more aggressive situations and overall I have to say the protests have been pretty calm without significant violence and I hope that that will continue to be the case sure. as the protests continue. Oh, we all hope so don't we Anthony that uh, whilst we await what transpires during the course of the day still uh, staying with the this judicial reform issue uh, lately a further group of Air Force reservists have resigned from reserve duty over these judicial reforms so how is the army responding to the situation? So the army finds itself in a slightly difficult situation because the latest reservists to resign from their military duty include 160 Air Force reservists, including quite senior officers and commanders, um, as well as regular way soldiers um, who all have important jobs in the Air Force. Um, and they wrote this letter, this open letter to the head of the Air Force, Major General Tomer Barr. Um, he received this letter. The letter was also copied to many of their um, direct commanders within the reserve forces uh, to announce that they're res resigning from reserve duty. The reason being that they can't see themselves serving under the current situation where these reforms are effectively being imposed upon the nation in a way that is unwelcome and certainly um, not consens not a consensus-based um, way. And so these individuals have decided to resign. The problem with, uh, on the one hand, the, the, the IDF has said, treat these people quite firmly. We do need reservists to be available every time a reservist resigns from duty, and in particular when you get 160, a group like this, mm -hmm. which is a significant group, some of them very, very senior officers indeed, um, it impacts on Israel's ability to defend herself. And therefore, um, the military has a responsibility to make sure that it has the maximum forces available at its disposal in order to defend Israel. On the other hand, I think on a private level, many of the senior officers in the IDF do have a sympathy towards these individuals mm -hmm. and the way they're expressing themselves. The question that we can ask ourselves, and again, I open it to the listeners because I know that the listeners have a great deal to say and think about this, but the question is, can we really combine these two issues? In other words, is it right for these reservists to express themselves in this way, which could potentially weaken the defenses of the State of Israel when actually what they have at heart is the best interest of the State of Israel. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that these 160 individuals who have resigned really want the best for Israel and given an opportunity and given sure. an emergent situation would jump up and do whatever they can in order to serve. But this is just their way of somehow expressing their extreme views, their anger, their, their disappointment, their frustration that they feel right now. Is it right to link yeah. those two things together? It's a question which I don't have an answer for, but I'm guessing you guys will all have your views on it. Indeed, Anthony, uh, great question there. I'll put it to the listeners uh, once again, but we have to end it there, Anthony. Thank you so much for bringing us uh, today's report uh, on Morning Mayhem. Anthony Reich, our correspondent from Israel. Okay, the time has just gone. Eight o'clock, time now for a full news update. Here's Lindy.
That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com.